welcome to today's episode of Q&A with SNA. Today we are sitting at the podcast desk with our good friend, personal trainer, person who causes us pain and grief, Gina Lessie. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today, Jean. So now is our chance to give you a bit of pain by asking you reverse. some very, very probing questions about your life. So excellent. Thank you for coming in today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Normally, Jean can talk the leg off a chair. We do tend to swear a little bit, so I do apologise in advance if there are some bleeps in this podcast episode because Jean has a way with himself. So, <laughs> um, so thank you for coming today. And you are going to start by telling us a little bit about Jean Alessi and what makes you tick. Um, well, I suppose... Um I'm a husband and a father mm -hmm. uh, of uh, a couple of ripper kids. Um, I currently run a small business, um, which is a, a PT studio or a gym. Mm -hmm. I suppose I've been at that um, for 14 odd years now. Mm -hmm. um, What's the name of the gym? Core Principles Personal Training. And where is it located? In Ivanhoe. Thank you. Yeah, so just a little plug um, there. <laughs> yeah, so um, I've been at that for about fourteen years, which is the longest I've done any one particular job uh, in my whole life. So um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much me at the moment. Mm -hmm. And how did you get to the point of running your own business? But also, what made you take the leap into personal training? Um, I'd spent about 18 years uh, out of uni uh, in various corporate roles, um, building that career to the point where I was in fairly senior management, responsible for quite a few people um, and all the stresses that uh, come with all of that. Um, however, I'd grown up in a, a small business uh, in a, uh, you know, I actually grew up on a vineyard. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so I was exposed to sort of my parents' entrepreneurial spirit from a very young age. Um, I tell the story that um, I fired my first employee when I was probably about 12 years old. Um, <laughs> my dad left all the dirty work to me. So, so we had um, quite a few transient workers and stuff like that. And occasionally they just wouldn't work or mm. they weren't turning up to work. And, you know, so he wouldn't have the patience to deal with it. So he just told me to go tell that bloke not to bother coming back tomorrow. <laughs> so um, so I was exposed to small business at a very early age. I suppose um, uh, after uh, probably 18 years of corporate, I was I always had a yearning that uh, I wanted to do something for myself, mm -hmm. um, mostly because of the freedom. Um, I'm probably a terrible employee. <laughs> so, I can't even imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm a bit of a control freak, so I like... I have very strong ideas on how I like things to, to work mm -hmm. and run um, and being a bit of a perfectionist. It was really difficult when um, uh, I had uh, more senior managers telling me how to do my job when, you know, particularly I was in a fairly defined role mm -hmm. where there was probably few other people that knew what I did and how I did it. So having someone that knows less about what you do, trying to tell you how to do your job better, <laughs> got really tiring and, mm. you know, annoying, yeah. I suppose. So, um, yeah, so that um, so that yearning to do my own thing um, was always there. So it uh, just came to a particular point in my life where uh, I couldn't ignore it any further. Mm -hmm. And being in corporate for such a long time, 
tell us a little bit about how the mindset around how many hours you needed to work and what sort of commitment you needed to give to the corporate in order to be um, seen as somebody who could take on a senior role and how that has impacted the way you now run your small business because I know that there's a lot of you know stress we talk you and I talk a lot about stress and managing stress and mental health and we've um, had a couple of episodes of this podcast where people other small business owners have said that one of the ways that they manage their own stress and mental health is exercise and you and I that's what we do together mm-hmm. tell me how corporate impacted on your mental health and stress levels and and how you now manage it differently I suppose I was, I, I came out of uni fairly ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd spent four years going through a, a, a uni degree. And uh, so I came out uh, in the middle of the 92 recession. So mm-hmm. jobs were very hard to come by. Traveled for a year to try to buy some time and also just you know, spread my wings, I suppose, a little. So I came back, started at the bottom uh, at a particular large Australian telecommunications <laughs> company uh, as a telemarketer. And um, so uh, it was a great start into a what was a great organisation and uh, I suppose what they realised and, and they were expanding quickly. Mm-hmm. I started actually in the mobiles um, back in the old analog days <laughs> um, where very few people actually had mobile phones. It was in the very early days. Um, so I suppose uh, if you worked hard in that environment, there were opportunities everywhere. Mm. So I was fortunate enough to be, I suppose, at the right place at the right time, um, coupled with a bit of ambition. Um, I accelerated through the ranks very quickly, so I was probably only on the phones, um, I, I would say, probably a few months. But um, I was fascinated at a particular experience where one of the other guys there, so I was on the phone, um, selling selling analog plans um, to, to customers that had ported across to Optus. And he started throwing paper at me in the middle of a phone call. <laughs> and I was looking at him while I was talking. I couldn't quite work out what, what he was on about. And at the end of the call, he approached me. He said, mate, you got to slow down. So uh, you're making us look bad. <laughs> so I thought, fantastic. Sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to make your life harder and uh, I just use that experience as an opportunity to push further mm. and uh, and more aggressively and uh, and sure enough I, I moved into a management role where I was leading other people um, so the short part of the answer is that um, you worked hard and at least at that time at point in time um, opportunities kept arising so mm-hmm. I went from being on the phone to running a team to running multiple teams to running call centers mm-hmm. um, probably within a couple of years yeah so uh, I wasn't sitting around to, to, to work on the phones and all the ball bit. It was probably one of the funnest jobs I've, I've ever done, actually, but um, I had bigger plans. But um, with that, progressively, you do end up feeling like you're selling your soul a little. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to a lot of the other guys uh, I graduated with uh, comparing sort of career paths and um, a lot of them stayed put in their roles and in their organisations and sort of took the slow path. Um, I jumped around organisations a little bit. So um, I was probably giving myself about two to three years in any one particular organisation mm-hmm. um, before um, either uh, I'd be approached or, or someone would bring a, an opportunity to my attention. So mm-hmm. I, I would tend to, to jump for yeah. the right reasons. 
Um, but that became very stressful because you had to reinvent yourself. You had to re-establish uh, yourself. Um, so that's what I describe as a sort of fast and hard road mm -hmm. rather than progressively doing your time and getting your promotions in time. Yeah. That itself becomes very stressful. And um, I suppose you can do it when you're young as you get a little older and then kids and mm -hmm. marriage and all life starts to, to, to roll out in front of you. Um, you start running out of steam, I mm -hmm. suppose. Yeah. So career change. So yeah. was there a light bulb moment or was it just I've got to do something different and then how did you get into personal training? Um, I, I knew I was never going to be in corporate forever. I, mm. I just um, – it, it didn't feel natural to me. Uh, I, there was a light bulb moment. I remember I was um, I think on level 38 or something or other of the um, current combat building on Burke Street Um and we're in another sort of high-powered executive meeting. And um, I remember a whole bunch of rubbish was getting thrown around. I was tuning out a little bit. Um, it was just a lot of, like, say, hot air and politicking mm. going on and, you know, people swinging dicks and trying to make themselves more <laughs> important than they actually were or, you know, making up that they're actually doing something important and I just remember that was the light bulb moment. I, I just realised what a load of crap this is. <laughs> um, and it wasn't for me. And I'm looking out and it was just completely, I realised how absurd the whole thing was. Mm. Um, and like I say, so this wasn't a, a revelation. I, I knew I wasn't going to be in that environment mm. either. Yeah. So um, I, um, I actually ended up resigning. And um, so they, uh, their response was to offer me more money. Yeah. So um, the offer was too good to refuse. Mm. So I kept going. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, as it turns out, I probably resigned another couple of times. And uh, I think in the last resignation, uh, I used <laughs> the excuse, <laughs> I need to spend more time with my family, mm -hmm. um, which you tend to hear a lot. Um, and, and that was fair to get because I did have uh, a couple of very young kids at that stage, preschool, and I, I was sick of working very long days. Mm. Um, so, so their last offer was that I, I could work a day a week from home. Mm. Um, and okay. so this was 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, so progressive. Progressive, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was quite nice that, you know, they're, they're working that hard to try to hang on to me. So, mm. um, they got another two years out of me at yeah. that point. So I suppose it worked for them. It mm. worked for me. But uh, by the end of the two years, I was pretty much cooked. Yep. Um, I was not happy. I was not enjoying uh, what I was doing anymore. Uh, not only that, probably worse than anything from a mental health point of view, mm. um, I started to realise that I was really selling my soul, yeah. um, that they kept throwing money at me to keep me doing something I really didn't want to do. And mm. that completely felt... Um, wrong for me. Yeah. Um, but um, certainly the, the, the day a week from home gave me some balance, but it was just not what I was put on this earth to do. I hadn't quite worked out what that might be. <laughs> I was, maybe still haven't, but um, uh, yeah. So it was impacting my mental health, um, yeah. stressing. And, and not only that, this just constant feeling that, um, you know, it's not what I was meant to do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And um there were just so many things I disliked about what I was doing and so few things that I liked mm. about it. And it just became harder and harder to reconcile um, to the point 
that there was another, yet another restructure. Um, so um, uh, they asked me to take uh, 10% out of a $30 million budget. Um, and at that stage, I was running large call centres and sales centres. So 10% out of a large workforce-based mm. uh, operation ends up mostly mm. coming out of labour. Yeah. Mm. Um, so my exit strategy was to put my name at the top of the list. <laughs> yep. Um, which they rejected at the first uh, pass, okay. uh, but I kept going back and justifying that uh, a, ro- a lot of the, the hard revolutionary technology advancement type stuff um, had been put into place mm-hmm. and that it was going to be a maintenance role from there on and that they didn't need me any longer. Yeah. Um, so, um, which I, I felt was pretty accurate um, and uh, they bought it. I was able to um, organise a redundancy. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And... Um, uh, which I, I think from that point on to this day, I, I don't think anyone la- leaves a large uh, organisation in a senior role without some sort of a payout. Mm. Um, so, um, and that payout uh, happened to help me finance my next step. Yeah. So that next step was Jim or a PT studio what you wanted to do, or did did you not know at that point? And no, no, there was no. different I, options. It was a really, it was probably the toughest part of my life at that mm. point because what I knew is I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. But what I know now is until I'd closed that door, nothing else seemed mm. reasonable. Mm. Um, people would throw ideas and I looked at a, a couple of different business opportunities. Um, but when you're so focused on just surviving, yeah. <laughs> none of that made sense. No, no, no opportunity that was you know past my desk made any sense. I didn't have the energy to consider it. Didn't mm. have the headspace to to look at the possibilities. So um, what I learned was I had to close that door first. Mm. Um, and the redundancy gave me the luxury of hanging about for a bit mm-hmm. and just taking a breath, um, rehabbing my lower back, which was pretty buggered at that point. Um, put on weight, wasn't in great shape, mentally probably wasn't in a great place either. Mm -hmm. So I decided to pull the plug, not knowing, with two very young kids and a mortgage, Mm -hmm. what I was going to do next. So um, incredibly tough. I do remember it was an extremely tough um, part of my life, Um, but I had a very supportive wife and she knew I was pretty miserable. miserable. Um, And that um, continuing down that path wasn't an option anyway. So... Um, yeah, uh, I, I left not knowing what I was going to do. So, okay. um, so having left, I decided to, um, get, uh, back into shape, mm-hmm. uh, rehab my back. Uh, I was hitting the gym every day, peeling off weight, getting my back organized. Uh, and, uh, I'd actually never felt, uh, fitter or, or happier. Uh, and I happened, <laughs> my brother ended up bringing me during the day and going, are you working yet? <laughs> and it was probably about uh, six weeks in, wasn't that far in, but, um, uh, asked me what I was up to. And I said, uh, just, just getting fit and <laughs> enjoying a walk with a dog, I think. Uh, and, um, told him how I was getting my fitness and health back in shape. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and how I was loving that. And uh, he popped the thought into my head and he said, um, you know what you should do? You should become a PT. And um, I, I remember my response was to laugh and call him <laughs> a bloody idiot. Uh, <laughs> who on earth would hire a 38-year-old burnt-out <laughs> ex-executive? Um, uh, and he, he said, 
other 38-year-old yep. burnt-out executives mm -hmm. um, that don't want to talk to an 18-year-old kid yep. that yep. still lives at home yep. mm -hmm. um, that might have some life experience that they can share or be able to relate to people. Yeah. And and it was like the penny dropped. Yeah. I, I just realised that that was potentially a very meaningful way to make mm -hmm. a living uh, where I could share my experience talking to other blokes that are often, and I still deal with them today, often caught in a trap. Yeah. Um, don't know which way out, mm -hmm. um, know they're unhappy, yeah. but don't know how to fix it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I still do deal with um, grown-ups like yeah. that today. So I still reflect on my experience and bring that to the party. You can't tell anyone what to do, but you can guide. Mm. Um, so that was that was the, 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 the moment. You know, so A, realising I couldn't keep going. B, I have to thank my brother for putting what seemed like an absurd suggestion to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was that was the tipping point and that was the start of the next journey. So when you went home and said to Fran, I've just had a conversation with my brother out on a walk with my dog and he suggested this, what did she say to you? Uh, she probably said something she says often, <laughs> you're a bloody idiot, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think she was probably genuinely excited mm. i mean it's maybe it made more sense to her yeah before it made any sense to me mm -hmm. um and Which when i was probably like just normal situation that fran would make more sense of things than you generally. <laughs> <laughs> she's always been the brains behind behind the uh the organization for sure um uh i i, I think when i talked through it with her um she seemed she must have picked up a little bit mm -hmm. of excitement yeah. and um the thing is I, I set this thing up at the back of my house yeah. right so it was very low risk i bought a couple of expensive commercial bits of equipment to get me started um knowing that i had a bit of cash reserve to have a bit of a play mm -hmm. um so it was i wasn't sure whether it'd take off i wasn't sure whether i'd like it um so um, off we went uh, in the rumpus room at the back of my house in Ivanhoe and um, it seemed to work. Yeah. And um, again, within a few months, I had to hire someone because I just couldn't keep doing all the 6am starts and the 8pm yeah. finishes and outdoor classes as well. Yeah. Um, so it got, got busy very quickly. So was it always core principles or did it start as Gina Lessie in the backyard? No, no, it started off so... Um, Given my sort of uh, corporate background, mm -hmm. I went into this with my eyes open. So I had to, the first thing I needed to do was get qualified. Mm -hmm. um, so I went off and did my course, which seemed extraordinarily amateurish uh, to me, having you know spent twenty years doing some fairly senior yeah. management type um, courses. Um, and what we're and talking degree. sixteen, seventeen years ago that you did the course? Yeah, a while yeah, ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. The situation has evolved since then in terms of a training perspective like you have the people that you hire in your business are completely different kettle of fish oh, these the guys, days aren't they 100 percent. the guys i hire today yeah, are yeah. far smarter than i am <laughs> <laughs> so, and far more capable um from a training perspective at least yeah. um yeah so um no, so um, I came up with a business plan while I was doing my my certification. So mm -hmm. I did a Cert 3 and Cert 4 yep. after having done a double degree in business. <laughs> uh, but it was it was amusing because um, I was dealing with a lot of other kids. So it was interesting mm. seeing them come through and here's this old bloke 
uh, 38 years old doing a PT certificate for. Um, but um, so I was sitting down doing the business plan, of course, to register businesses and everything else. We didn't come up with a, a trading name mm-hmm. and a, a company name. Uh, and Fran, my wife, actually came up with it. So um, she said, how about core principles? Because we wanted to be more than just mm-hmm. personal training. So mm-hmm. we yeah. wanted to em- you know, um, embrace that whole sort of lifestyle, life mm-hmm. coaching type yep. element. Um, yeah, so it was born before the business was open. Yeah, interesting. And if you were to do things, if you were setting up a personal training studio now, would you do anything differently or would you, do you think that what you did was really solid? Um, it's not all been smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. As, as you guys know, um, I was probably only about a year and a half into the, so we're, we're in the backyard for about two years because mm-hmm. I just couldn't find appropriate space. I, I knew probably within six months that this thing was going to work because um, we got busy so quickly, mm-hmm. um, but then couldn't find space. So within, I think, about a year, year and a half maybe of, of having opened the Ivanhoe studio, um, we realised that this could potentially get replicated. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to a couple of other um, businesses, business advisors and they'd suggested maybe um, going down the franchise path. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think in hindsight, possibly stupidly, we, we did buy a second uh, PT studio. Um, unfortunately, uh, it was a long, long uh, way away. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was pretty evident up front that we'd probably bought a dud that was going to take a lot of time and energy to turn around. So uh, the short story was it took us nearly two years to get out of that. So yeah. whatever money we made out of the extra studio probably really came out of margin mm-hmm. from the Ivano studio. So it really offset any gains. So we were just working a lot harder for not really much more money. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was a lot more stress for not really any other financial gains. So, so we made those mistakes. So would I do anything differently? I... Again, I, I was keen on making this as big as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd come from, a, a, you know, I think a reasonably successful corporate career. Um, so I wanted to, to push the boundaries on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried it. It didn't work. Uh, I was probably a little bit wiser and older by the end of it and realised mm-hmm. that, um, and I think I probably even had a chat to you, mm. um, Shane, about all of this. Yes. Um, I realised that I didn't necessarily need to be making a million bucks a year anymore. Not that I have actually just <laughs> just for all of the listeners, personal trainers rarely we earn a million we bucks. We don't make a million year, bucks. So. No, 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 we're rich in so many other ways. <laughs> but um, uh, that was that was probably a mistake. But you know, I'll never die wondering. Gave yeah, it a no, crack, yeah. and um, yeah. as another friend pointed out, probably depending on what definition I want to apply to it, you know, it might have you know, uh, cost us, you know, maybe 50 grand in the end mm-hmm. if I was to take a really harsh, you know, pure financial view and discount any learnings from it. But um, that's still a pretty cheap uh, learning exercise in the scheme of life. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's the thing. It's not a mistake. It's a learning exercise. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's about yeah. right because mm. if you don't try and, again, you have ambition and you don't try, then you do wake up one day and going, only if I had of mm. what could have been, you mm. know. So I don't, I don't try to live life like that. Um, I suppose we've all got regrets in different ways, mm. but um, yeah. that's not going to be one of mine. Yeah. Give it a crack. Realise that I could have more fun, more peace um, by 
consolidating into one studio and giving that 100%. And mm-hmm. um, I think now that's probably worked out. So, no, it, it hasn't been a completely smooth road. Mm. Um, and I think just in life, if you're not making mistakes, if you're not fucking up occasionally, you're not probably trying hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So what makes core principles different to any other of the, you know, those very big name gyms? You and I talk about this a lot. So I know the answer to this question, but, you know, <laughs> if if there's somebody out there listening that is thinking to themselves, I think I could give this a crack because we, you and I know there's a lot of young people who think that, you know, running a, a gym or a PT studio isn't you know, is a pretty good idea. What makes you stand out from all of those other places? That's really hard for me to to actually (laughs) answer. As a client of yours, I could probably answer it for you, but I want you to answer it. Why do I keep coming back to core principles, Gene, when I have to travel (laughs) 25 minutes to get to you? Uh, Okay, let me give that a crack. I, I run this business the way I ran all of my teams mm-hmm. um, and I try to be as progressive in my management style as I possibly can, mm-hmm. considering I'm you know, from an industry point of view a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> so I try to uh, recruit people that are young and smart mm-hmm. and want to learn yeah. and have open minds and open hearts. Mm. Um, and I create, uh, I think, a culture where people are included and valued. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm ferocious about protecting our culture mm-hmm. and making sure that all of my staff understand that our clients are the centre of our universe. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the reason we exist. You know, so I don't want to be a franchise PT studio. Um I don't want to be the guy running out the back of the house as humble and nice a beginning as that was. Mm. You know, I want to make sure that this is, um, you know, a great place to work, a secure place to work, that they have a job to keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's on the that's on the staff side. And if you can get that right, then I think you're creating a culture that is great for members. Mm. From the members' side, I think, and again, um, you can answer this probably as a client better than I can and, and I'll make some assumptions here. Um, because of that culture, we hire awesome trainers mm-hmm. um, and awesome trainers uh, go on to deliver awesome outcomes mm-hmm. for members. Yeah. Um, so we create a, um, a safe, caring, genuinely interested um, culture uh, for our staff and that then hopefully reflects in the experience that our members have. Um, and that's the bit we, uh, well, I am ferocious about protecting. So we have had trainers that uh, have not fulfilled mm-hmm. that expectation um, and they have exited the building yeah. um, because it's just not been the right place for them. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, they uh, have been better suited probably in other places. So, um, and that requires you to be tough sometimes, uh, uncompromising sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my manage, management style is to be super supportive of my staff, but also in order to protect them, <clears throat> you need to make sure that you are uncompromising mm-hmm. when it comes to staff's performance and contribution to the business and yep. the way they look after um, our key priority, and that yep. is our mem- members ultimately. Yep. Now, the hours of the business are from 6 till 
later in the evening each each for five days a week. Um, yep, and yep. Saturday mornings. And Saturday mornings and as well. Yep. Are you there the whole time? Uh, no. No? So work-life balance, how does that fit in? Uh, 100%. So I spent this morning on my mountain bike <laughs> riding a 40K ride. So, um, and that happens most um, most Wednesdays. Uh, I don't get in there terribly early. Uh, mm -hmm. So probably 7.30 to 8 is a normal start four days a week. Um, and um, I mostly get out of there by about 2, 3 o'clock. Mm -hmm. um, I do a split shift on a Thursday, but that's because I want to be there in at least one evening because mm -hmm. it's uh, sort of feels very different in an evening. So I need to be mm -hmm. there in the evening as well to see sort of what happens there at the evening. But um, so it doesn't sound like a lot of contact hours, but I think anyone that runs their own business, so they're my contact hours. And mm -hmm. I know my staff say that I work from home or I have Wednesdays off. Um, the actual reality of it is that I'm at work 24 seven. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not physically there. Um, I'm looking at my emails constantly, um, returning calls constantly. So I don't need to be at work to mm -hmm. be at work. So, but do you think you've got the work-life balance right? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And I'm probably uh, I take it for granted a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that um, I've got a great team that I now feel um, can run the business without me, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to be there, but um, I, I still like being there. Mm. So. I've got a couple of pesky clients that I've got to look after, <laughs> but other than that, I don't know. I won't mention any names. About <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so I'm still uh, what I call on the tools a yes. little bit, but I yeah. get to cherry pick the the clients I like to train, um, the really pesky ones. So watch out, guys. Uh, I, I, I can um, find them a better trainer. <laughs> so. You touched briefly on the fact that you did a Cert 3 and a Cert 4 and I suggested at that point that that's not the way things happen in the industry so much anymore. Mm. And I think uh, one of the things that you and I have talked about is the fact that you do look for and, uh, and hire really top quality people. What is the sort of qualification that you look for in a trainer and I know there's qualifications and you you're not always looking for the qualification but you've got some really key trainers in there at core principles at the moment what are the what makes them valuable as trainers aside from the fact that they are much more um, highly trained than a cert three or four so tell me about how if there's somebody listening to this podcast and wants to work for Jean at Core Principles, what is the sort of person that you look for? Because that is part of the reason why your training studio has been so successful. So tell me about that. Um, look, at, a, at an academic level, we're now almost exclusively hiring exercise science grads. Mm -hmm. um, and that does make us unique. Mm. Um, what makes us even more unique is that they are employed on a permanent basis, mm -hmm. yeah. which means um, they get annual leave, mm -hmm. sick leave, security, um, unlike many large box gyms where they hire contractors. Mm -hmm. What's even worse than the lack of security is that their teammates are actually their competitors. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, at the polar opposite end of that is our model uh, where they are hired as perms. They are part of our team mm -hmm. um, and um, they lean on each other. 
So they have to be good team members. They're not competing against each other for mm-hmm. members. Uh, the business supplies them um, uh, their clients, um, although they're all responsible for upselling, cross-selling clients. Obviously, it's in our interest and we genuinely believe that more exercise is always good. Mm-hmm. So um, we always believe in you know in what we promote. So you know you guys can always come in for a third or fourth session, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> We um, don't so do anything I, in the two that we already do. <laughs> That's right. It becomes more of a chimbo sometimes, doesn't <laughs> it? Um, so, um, so that that's the security side of it. Um, actually, as a side note, the really peculiar thing is that often when you're dealing with graduates, um, I have to go to pains. They'll ask what the hourly rate is. Yeah. Um, and I have to explain to them that I. I don't actually know what the hourly rate is mm. because uh, we pay an annualized salary, yep. and then we, out of the team of six, I've got two full timers, a couple at seventy-five percent, a couple at fifty percent, all by choice. Mm-hmm. So they all have the opportunity to scale up to full time if that's what what they want. Um, so it's always an annualized salary, um, and then it's whatever percentage of hours they want, whether they want to be fifty cent. Um, full-time, um, et cetera. Um, so a lot of them will then compare against their contracting rates mm-hmm. or casual rates yeah. um, and, and compare the hourly rates. And it, it's it's really, it's an eye-opener for me and it's awfully frustrating because I think also as employers and large businesses, we've decided to, to casualize the workforce mm-hmm. and most young people now just look at the hourly rate yeah. because that's the only employment yeah. model they've ever mm. been exposed mm. to. And so I need to sort of very painfully explain to them that uh, our hourly rate is plus super, plus four weeks of annual leave, plus sick leave and all of those sort of things that aren't necessarily built into the hourly rate and mm. that um, when they take their annual leave, which inevitably they'll need to do, uh, that if you're a casual, um, you do not get you paid. You fund that yourself, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You fund that yourself. <laughs> yeah. um, if you're not contributing towards super, you mm. are not um, setting up your retirement. I don't need to explain that to you no. guys, obviously. Mm. But um, So you have to have that long conversation around why you cannot compare a casual hourly rate that has built-in um, super and other um, uh, factors in that hourly rate and how it's not comparable. So... A lot of, obviously, the ones that do decide to, to take up a role if it's offered to them with us um, have to take that tra- transition and understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but it is, it's a bit of a transition to explain that to them. Um, but, uh, yeah, if they come on board, then it's, it's really sticking to all those cultural sort of issues we talked about earlier, understanding that the only reason we exist is because of our members yeah. and that they come first. Yeah, yeah. Who's your favourite client? You don't have to mention names. You can you can describe I, I, them. I, I, I'm a dad, so I love all of my clients <laughs> equally. Thanks, Dad. Um, oh, look, I've I've probably had some absolute standout clients. I I, I think if I judge them on on different criteria mm. like success, you know, I'm, I'm training a, a particular fellow right now who's awfully frustrating. He he does tell me I'm. I'll use slightly different words to the ones he uses. He thinks I'm quite a bugger. Yeah. Um, but he has <laughs> lost 40 kilos. Wow. It's been a long journey. Uh, he's been an absolute doubter. He's mm-hmm. driven me absolutely bananas and crazy. 
but uh, something clicked in his mind. So he, he must have been going for at least two years and getting nowhere. Mm -hmm. And something clicked in his mind. He realised he couldn't keep going the way he was. He was probably 120 kilos. Yep. Um, and uh, once that clicked, uh, he started applying himself 100%. He changed a lot of his lifestyle habits. And the harder he went, the harder I pushed mm -hmm. because I knew I had him. Um, yeah. So I knew if I hit the right buttons, he was going to go for it. And um, so whilst he achieved bugger all in the first two years, um, probably in the last year he's peeled off, um, you know, a, a solid 40. Some of that's come back. But, um, you know, that's changed his life. Yeah. You know? So yeah. he was probably set for a short lifespan, mm -hmm. you know, at 120 kilos. Um, so he now weighs about 80, maybe 82. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he's off um, blood pressure medication. Yeah. Um, I think his mental health has improved incredibly. He believes in, in himself mm -hmm. um, and um, he's just a different human being. Yeah. You know, so one of the very powerful things for what we do as PTs is, um, you know, other than maybe surgeons uh, that save lives, we, we will often be told that we have changed people's lives. Mm. And that, that is incredibly powerful stuff for a knucklehead like me to hear that from clients yeah. that uh, I've changed their lives is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, so having gone from something that was reasonably uh, meaningless in corporate life, um, having made lots of people redundant through all those restructures and mm. made people miserable and uh, all sorts of other torturous stuff in, in that corporate life you know i'm now doing something where people are telling you that um, you and your team and what you've created is capable of changing people's lives yeah. and that for me is what keeps me going mm -hmm. and uh, makes this incredibly powerful yeah who is your longest standing client uh his name is paul and he has <laughs> been with us from the very very start so my very first session was in a park um and he has been with us since then. And um, talk about knuckleheads, he's still with us. <laughs> <laughs> How many sessions does Paul do a week? A lot, yeah. although uh, he's, he's pulled back because he's got some other stuff going on, yeah. but he's still there pretty much every week and yeah. just going and going and going. Um, yeah. Has he got his life membership yet? Uh, I'm still waiting for mine. But, yeah. <laughs> You're not valuable no, enough. Uh, yeah. we, we, we don't. We, we don't do life. We don't do life. I keep. I keep trying, but anyway, <laughs> uh, you can get a free hug next session. <laughs> Great, <laughs> a free one. <laughs> free. Oh, you get lots of free, free ones already. Jane, <laughs> uh, um, one last question for you: What are you going to do next? Holy cow, that's a really tough one. <laughs> it's a big one. It's a big one. My accountant tells me to be aware that uh, retiring isn't all it's cracked up to be mm -hmm. and yeah. that I do need a plan B. So I'm actually really stuck again. Mm. Um, I'm probably the oldest personal trainer in the universe. Um, it is a young person's game. Yeah. Um, I, I can do it because I'm not there at 6am and I'm mm. not finishing at 8pm. Um, but I, like I say, I don't really switch off too often. Um so I know I can't do this forever. Mm. It just takes an awful lot of energy. Changing people's lives takes a lot of energy yeah. and headspace. Um, so look, I don't know if I can create a business where I can truly say I can step away for months at a time, potentially, mm -hmm. uh, then I keep going. Um, I'm not sure. I um, if, if, if I've got one more career change left in me, 
I think I probably need to do that sooner rather than later mm-hmm. um, while I've still got the energy. Um, but that next step will be low stress mm-hmm. um, and low risk, whatever it is. Um, but then I often wake up and think I can get a lot of that out of my current mm-hmm. job yeah. and role. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just being maybe smart about how I get a bit more longevity out of it. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, possibly rather than sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. So I'm still working through that. I'd like some advice from that. <laughs> maybe you need just, just give me the answer. <laughs> give me the answer. What do I do next? Um, you can look, bring us onto your podcast next. Yeah, you? there you we'll go. Yeah. Um, so I haven't worked it out, but yeah. it's, it's exciting. And, um, I'm very optimistic about what that might look like. Um, I, I would say, uh, you know, I, I would never hang around too long having had my previous experience, never hang around too long doing something I don't love. Mm. So I have a very low tolerance for that now um, yep. because I just, I've worked out that life is short and if you are bold and courageous, you can change your life um, yeah. and it does take courage. Um, so the, the day I wake up and say, I actually don't enjoy this anymore, um, will be the day I accelerate my, my, my next change. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in today. I know Wednesday's your day off. I'm glad that you got your drive. No, we're still going to say it's your day off. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely your day off. We're going to tell all the team at Core Principles that this is Gene's day off and he has come in to talk to us on his day off after he's ridden through the snow and the sleet. And the sleet to today, get here. yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Gene. Really appreciate that you've spent some time with us today and, you know, we love training with you. As I said, we still drive over there, even though we've moved away from Ivanhoe. So you've got to be doing something right because Shane and I are terrible clients. I know that. So (laughs) we really appreciate you and we appreciate your friendship. So thank you for coming on the podcast today. And thank you everyone for listening. Come back next week. Thank you.